Welcome to Money Tips by Charles Kelly, author of Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness. Charles spent over 25 years in financial services, working for banks, insurance companies, and as a qualified independent financial advisor running his practice before setting up his speaking, consultancy, and property business. Money Tips will help you save, make, and accumulate more money, whether you are a business owner, entrepreneur, employee, or still searching for your vocation. Hello and welcome again to Money Tips. Today I want to talk about how to collect debts without paying for a lawyer. How to recover money owed and how to recover debts through the court system but without necessarily paying for a lawyer or debt collectors. And one of the biggest issues a business will face is cash flow. That's not cash as as in money bags full of cash, that's money coming into the business. And cash, cash flow is the lifeblood of any business and bad debts and poor credit control will bring the business to its knees. It will strangle the, strangle the business as if you had been strangled yourself. So let me ask you a question. Are you owed money right now? Have you ever been knocked or taken for a ride by somebody who now sort of refuses to pay you and uh, you know, you've supplied goods or services but in good faith, but they don't want to pay you or they're just, they're just very slow at paying you? Have you gone that step further? Have you obtained a county court judgment against somebody but still not recovered your money? Have you thought about using the court system, but worried that it's uh, too complicated or too expensive? Now, if you've answered yes to any of these questions, listen now to my podcast. Okay, people in this country, especially small business owners, are owed hundreds of millions of pounds at any one time. The courts deal with thousands of claims for unpaid debts every day, so you're not alone in this. We seem to have an epidemic here of paying late and you know not paying immediately when you get an invoice. I think this is a little bit unique to, to, to this country, not completely unique, but it's it's fairly unique to this country. Now, household debt in the UK stands at 1.6 billion. That's up 7% in the last five years, and, and I think it's still rising. And if you Google debts in the UK, one of the first sites that will appear is the nationaldebtadviceuk.org, which then goes on to advise people how to write off debt and get help and advice today from a debt expert. In other words, how to uh, not pay your debts off. And they, they go into things like stop interest demands today. Now, there are, there are a lot of these companies. There's more than a dozen debt advice firms telling you how you can basically avoid paying back the money you've borrowed and still owe using various means such as coming to arrangements with your creditors where basically you come to an arrangement where you're not going to pay them all of it, but you'll pay some of it maybe over years. IVAs or individual voluntary arrangements and even uh, bankruptcy, which is, you know, the ultimate way of avoiding paying your, your personal debts. Now, this is all very well as long as you are not one of the creditors owed this money for work that you've carried out or goods supplied. Now, I, I mean, you could be uh, a builder that's done some work or you could have sent them some goods on, on credit. Uh, it could be a company we're talking about here. So it's all very well helping people to get out of paying their, their debts and, and keep into their uh, responsibilities. But it's not so much fun if you're on the receiving end of this advice and, you know, you don't get paid. I mean, a lot of people think the banks and that sort of thing are fair game. You know, we won't pay the banks. We won't pay that credit card. But it all affects us in, in one way or another. We have to sort of pick up the pieces for the losses in some way or another, either through extra charges. And it affects the, the small business, particularly when a company goes down or, or somebody just doesn't want to pay you. 
So, I mean, you might have watched some of these reality TV shows about bailiffs and high court sheriffs and high court officers, enforcement officers, you know, driving around in in vans to collect and, and pay, you know, get these debts back that people have not paid. And some of them arise from uh, things like unpaid bills, parking tickets, all sorts of things. So you know how bad the problem is. It's, it's you know, running a, a bailiffs or debt collectors is, is quite a good business. You, you'll always be in business and always be in demand, especially during a recession time. So if you're a small business and you've done work for an individual, a sole trader or a company and not been paid, you know how badly it can affect your business. In some cases, it can drive people out of business altogether. If you've done a big job and, and somebody doesn't pay you. I, I, I met a builder recently who was doing some work for me and I noticed how he, he did the work without me paying for it. But uh, when I paid for him, I said, why, why did you do that? You know, why did you do this work? And he said, well, uh, you know, you, you had an honest face. <laughs> well, OK, great. But then he went on to tell me that some other company that had an honest face owed him £100,000. I mean, a hundred. he was down £100,000 owed on his bill. And that means he's also put that effort in. He's, he's employed people. He's bought uh, materials and everything. And he was owed £100,000. And he's not a big company. He's a small businessman employing a few people here and there. So that, that's quite a hit to take. And I, I don't know what happened to him in the end. I, I advise him on maybe how he can get back this money. But I hope he got the money back for his sake. So it's what I'm saying is it's imperative that you keep on top of the situation and have what I would call watertight credit control so that debt collection or legal action is the course of last resort. Now, the easiest solution is to use accounting software, which produces a report outlining your uh, your debtors and creditors and so that you can chase these people who still owe you money. Now, if you don't know who owes you money and how long they've they've owed it for, you're in you're in real trouble. But some of these packages will also help you with your invoicing as well. So, you know, you have to know who owes you money, how long they've owed it in order to keep the cash coming into the business. Otherwise, you know, you'll go from the hunter to the hunted because you won't have the money to pay people that you owe money to because you'll be waiting on somebody else to pay you so you can pay him over there. And uh, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be the one hunted down and, and getting court letters and that sort of thing. So if you're not on top of your credit control, your business will quickly become starved of cash, choke and die, just as if you know you have been starved of oxygen. Now you can find lots of these bookkeeping software apps online, software apps online, or you know you speak to your accountant or bookkeeper for further advice, and, and and they can tell you what might fit in with their system, so you're not sort of duplicating work. And it'll also save you time going through reams of paper at the end of a tax year, and you know when your tax deadline returned you have to look for invoices look for bills and you know it's, it's a bit of a nightmare if, it, if it's not done as you go along and it will also save you money on accountancy fees because you know if, if they're spending more time going through your bills and your invoices you know they're going to charge you more if they're charging by, by the hour so don't be one of those disorganized people dropping off a carrier bag with the accounts in in this bag so there's my my accounts there you go goodbye you know because that, that will ultimately cost you money if, if your accountant is charging you by the hour. So what should you do then if you are owed money and the person just refuses to pay you or gives you a load of excuses? You know, the run around, yeah, I'll pay you next month or this or that. Uh, it, it can just go on and on and on. Now, there are a number of options open to you. You might decide to go to your local solicitor. But, you know, you've got to ask yourself, is your local solicitor someone who specializes in debt recovery? If not you might find that their bills are a little bit high because they're not 
doing that sort of work all the time. Now, there are solicitors who specialise in this and they, they tend to run it like a conveyor belt, so they would be a lot cheaper. You could also go to a debt recovery firm or a debt collection firm. You know, you can Google these and you'll see the, these firms and they'll promise to get your de debts recovered and all that sort of thing. Um, so th there's, there's options open to you. Now, I've generally found that using a, solic a solicitor is very expensive because their fees can often outweigh the, the, the cost of the, 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 the debt. You know, once they've added in their fees and the time and going to court and that sort of thing, uh, you know, you could end up spending more to collect that money. Now, you might find a no-win, no-fee debt collector, uh, but they would expect to charge you quite a, a hefty percentage of the debt. Now, debt collectors will promise you the earth, but in my experience, they frequently fail to deliver. It's more to them about uh, sending off letters and, and then, then the next letter and the next letter with more and more red ink and that sort of thing. And then if you go to court, you, you might then end up paying more fees to them. So... There are some good debt collectors out there, but the larger firms, the good ones, the reputable firms, are really only interested in corporate collection services like collecting large-scale unpaid utility bills. I found that the smaller firms frequently charge an upfront fee, maybe a couple hundred pounds, and then not do much, not much more than send a few letters. I've certainly had some bad experiences with with the smaller firms. Now, I remember using a, a solicitor once to collect a debt for my recruitment business. Uh, we'd supplied some staff and they, they didn't want to pay. And eventually they recovered the money owed. But I had to chase them for my money and, you know, almost needed another debt collector to get my money from this, this solicitor who specialised in debt collection. I even considered once setting up a debt collection firm because in many ways I think it's, it's, it's money for old rope. You know, it mostly involves having a system, sending out a series of letters, maybe threatening court action, maybe calling them from a call centre. Now, I never went ahead with the idea, partly because we were already busy with our recruitment business. and But mostly, I think, because chasing money and chasing people and taking them to court was not the sort of thing I personally wanted to do for a living. It just you know, didn't fit in with, with my ideal way of making a living, my, my values, if you like, you know, getting on the phone to people, threatening them and, you know, making them bankrupt and that sort of thing. I, I just didn't want to do that for a living. But having said that, I was later to called on to become my own debt collector, if you like, because I had so many debts at one time that, that were owed to me that I, I became a kind of an expert debt collector in, in my own right. But I, I wasn't doing this as a firm. Now, going back to when we started the recruitment business, we worked in an office building with lots of other companies and uh, one of which was a, a debt collecting firm. Now, they, they just had a, a small office, maybe an office the size of two desks, and then they got another office the size of two desks. It was like one of these serviced offices, like a Regis type of place. And most of them were small businesses. Some of them were established businesses as well. But they worked out of a couple of offices. And I remember going past and I used to see these sacks of of utility bills. So you could see things like you know British gas and electricity bills and that sort of thing. And big sacks of them, like mailbag mailbags, and they always looked like they were very busy and, and rushing around, and you know they wouldn't have time to talk. No, I've got to got to do this. And the firm actually sort of grew quite rapidly. Now they eventually moved to larger premises. They outgrew this serviced office, and I heard later they were sold for fourteen million pounds. That's how lucrative these businesses are. You don't hear about them much. I don't suppose people go around boasting that they're debt collectors, but. You know, these are quite lucrative businesses if they get the right contracts. And there are a lot of debts for local authorities, unpaid 
uh, rate rates and council tax and business rates. So it's, it's a huge, huge business. Okay, so let's look into the other option of doing this yourself and saying, well, look, I don't want to pay a solicitor. I don't want to use debt collection firms. I want to do this myself and take my own action. Great. But before you start any action, first of all, think about and you need to establish whether or not the debtor or the company you're going after has any money, right? There's no point in going through all the legal procedures, paying your court fees, getting judgment and all that sort of thing. If the person has no assets or is about to be bankrupted by other creditors, you know, unless you just want to give them a, a county court judgment or what we call a CCJ, a judgment against them, which appears on the on the register to stop them in their tracks and maybe don't do this again to anybody else. But other than that, there isn't much point in going through uh, this whole process if the person just you know clearly has nothing to their name. Now, for instance, if you're a landlord, for instance, you're chasing a jobless tenant that you know hasn't paid its rents, and you're probably wasting your time. You may not not even know where they are. I wouldn't say that you should not go after them, but don't expect that you'll always get your money back. You know, you've got to find out where they're living, for instance, and and this this can be can be difficult with with some tenants. Now, some landlords do make a point of getting a judgment, sometimes just for the hell of it or for revenge, or to make sure that the tenant doesn't do the same thing to another landlord. Now, having said all that, there is a chance that by registering the judgment against a person, which you know will stay on, on the, the register for a number of years, for six years, usually up to six years, the debtor may later decide to come back to you and pay this debt off in order to show the debt as satisfied. Satisfied means it's paid off. You know, you've had the judgment, but later on you you, you satisfied that, that that judgment and paid off the, the, the debt. And that person might need this in order for them to obtain a mortgage or, or further credit, or they just want to clean up their act. So, there might be a point in, in registering the judgment, but you know don't expect the people to rush around and pay the money for you. Some people have may have a, a, a string of county court judgments and they don't really care. Now, the answer may be to, to do your credit searches and find out more about them before you, you've given them credit. Now, for, let's get back to doing this yourself. For smaller debts, you can take steps to recover the money yourself. You don't need a solicitor. And I found this personally far more effective and cheaper than using solicitors or debt collectors. Now, you can still use a solicitor further down the line if court action is re- required and you know you need further advice on how to go about this. But in most cases, I was actually able to go through the court procedures and recover the debts myself. Now, need to make a note of this. There is a government website called www.gov.uk slash options if you are owed money. That's .gov.uk forward slash options if you are owed money. And you can probably find this through other searches, but that, that's the one. And it lists a number of legal options that you may take for recovering your money, such as mediation, using the, the court mediation service, which uh, is there to sort of settle disputes without going through the full court hearing. Court action using the county court system and the money claims online to collect debts. There's another one here, making a statutory, statutory demand or making someone bankrupt. Now, this is a costly course of last resort, and it's usually employed by banks and larger institutions such as the Revenue, HMRC. Now, most claims for unpaid debts of less than 100,000 are dealt with through the county court system. And this starts with your money claim online. You can Google that as well, and you'll find the money claim online system. And 
this has been quite good for me because in the past, starting a county court claim usually involved either using, as I said, a lawyer or having to go down to the court yourself and collect forms and asking, you know, which forms do I need and then handwriting them. Later on, you could download the forms, but then you had to print them off, start filling in a lot of manual paperwork and reading a lot of stuff. And it, and it just took time. Now, solicitors, when you went to them, they'd keep you in the dark. Oh, yes, it's very complicated. I'll do, I'll do that for you. I'll take care of that. And you know, they'd make it sound very, very complex. And, you know, and, and then they would sort of charge you by the hour. And you know, if you're charging, if you're being charged £200 an hour, clearly your fees would often exceed the amount you owed, you know, four or five hours work, you know, that's nearly a thousand pound with your VAT. What, what's the point for a small debt? However, nowadays, the, the initial process is relatively straightforward. You know, using the, I think, very helpful money online system, money claim online. You know, you can find this, the, the website is www.moneyclaim.gov.uk or just Google money claim online. And the first thing you'll need to do is fill in some information. You know, you're going to put the, the debtor's name and address and that sort of thing. But then you'll have a, a form which is called the particulars of claim, which is your explanation of to you know, what the claim is all about. It's called a POC, particular of claim. Now, I would keep this very simple, keep it to the point. What you're doing is detailing how much money you're owed, by whom and why. OK, now the space on this form is, is restricted to 24 lines of 45 characters, a total of about a thousand characters. Now, if you type in more than that, the text will fail to register and, you know, you, you won't it won't be on the on the claim. So just just watch that. If you'd like further details, you can do this on, on a separate sheet. But I, I would try and get it in that that box there and keep very much to the point. Don't go for into this emotional tirade of, you know, he said, she said, and then I did this and then he did that. And I rang him up and then he said this and, you know, keep that for later on because a judge has to will eventually have to read all this and make sense of your claim. So you don't want to go into a load of detail and you want to make it understandable and easy for them to digest. They're dealing with a lot of cases every day. So you've got to keep it so that they can look at that and say, right, I can see what this is about. I can see that that's fine. Okay. Now judges are very good at cutting through all the waffle and reading a whole bundle of stuff and then cutting straight to the, the relevant facts. But you don't want to try their patience, do you? You want to keep them on your side. Now, you can also charge interest on money's owed which i believe is eight percent per annum and you tick a box and then you have to work out how much interest is owed by calculating the interest and and, and each day that you've been owed that money at this stage that's that's pretty much all you have to do but obviously further down the road you'll need to show proof of the money that's owed and how it got to that stage and and actually show that you know you really are owed this money especially if this goes to court so you need to back this up with evidence which could include a copy of a contract now you do have a contract don't you you have a written contract well don't worry if you don't look for other evidence such as you know emails correspondence letters uh, etc now you might need copies of invoices that you've sent witness statements perhaps members of your your staff or your team or whatever and and any correspondence any emails relevant to the case don't don't give them a big bundle like this to collect a, a 500 pound debt you know we're walking one of these big office boxes full of stuff you know this is not the high court or the court of appeal or something you know you're just dealing in a county court when i was running the uh, recruitment business for, uh, supplying staff mainly nurses and care workers to care homes and the nhs some clients were notoriously slow at paying bills especially the nhs strange enough government organizations i've seen this time and time again where you know they either, they take so long to pay or they keep querying invoices bouncing them back to you 
And then you'd get the clients who just refuse to pay you at all. Most cases, uh, I could resolve the matter by sending them a letter and saying, look, would you please settle this, this invoice? Or, you know, if it got down to that, when are you going to pay this invoice? Uh, you know, you have to get through to people, get through to the right person, find out when they're going to pay. Well, I'd appreciate if you pay this. And, you know, you'd eventually, they would get sick of me ringing. But, you know, you have to be careful not, to, you know, you're walking a fine line between chasing them and being persistent with chasing them and harassing them. You don't want to get to that stage where you're harassing them, shouting at that, so that sort of thing. Because, you know, we wouldn't want to upset them, would we? These people owe us a lot of money, but let's let's not upset them. No, seriously, you can't harass people for money. You can't go around banging on their door or, you know, phoning them in the middle of the night and that sort of thing. You've got to keep things uh, with it within the law. If you start harassing them, you'll, you'll end up in trouble yourself. I'll, I'll give you an example of this. One of our biggest clients who ordered a lot of staff from us and we were constantly supplying them every month, could owe us any one time between five and £10,000. Now, the managing director was a nice guy, but he would he would not pay us until he checked all the invoices and he was fully satisfied that everything was correct. Now, this usually meant me having to drive to his office in Surrey, and you know, I was in Hertfordshire at the time, driving all the way down to Surrey, around the M25, and then sitting down patiently and going through each invoice and credit note and he would look at the invoices right well that was for that yeah but we swapped that person for that person and you know he he would have to really satisfy himself before I would get paid and I I knew this but I I always kept it very friendly he was a, a very smart guy one of the smartest businessmen I ever met he had all the figures in his head and he'd remember every detail about every recruit every invoice every replacement we supplied for someone who left early and all the credit notes and everything now interestingly he just you know just go off at a tangent slightly but along with two partners he ran a 50 branch care empire from a, a small office converted from a garage next to one of their care homes and there was no fancy head office no big fish tanks aquariums or flagpoles they kept it very very simple and ran a, a very huge, you know, hugely profitable business. But once he was satisfied, he would then write me out a check and I'd rush off to the office and get it banked so I could meet the payroll or pay other people who were chasing us money. And the point is here, if I'd been aggressive with him and, and, and got stroppy, he would have stopped doing business with us and we'd, we'd, we'd have lost business worth hundreds of thousands of pounds because over the over the few years we did hundreds of thousands of pounds of business with it, with this guy and in fact he accredited us with supplying the staff that helped him grow his business and he ended up with a lot more homes than, than when we started but by keeping it friendly maintaining a good relationship he became our best client and we still keep in touch with with this guy long after we've, we've sold that recruitment business incidentally when i was in his his office you've got to think you've got to put yourself in their shoes as well because when i was in his office i i used to hear one of his team chasing various local authorities for their money. So they were supplying care, which was paid for by social services, local authorities. And and they had to chase money. They had similar problems with us, but on a much larger scale. They were probably chasing, you know, tens of thousands of pounds and hundreds of thousands of pounds because they they have to chase to get their money because government organisations tend to be a little bit slow. I I remember once he even gave us a cheque for four or five thousand pounds. He said, don't bank this cheque for a few days which surprised me because they're a much bigger company than us, but they still had their own cash flow issues. So, of course, I I stuck to my word and I didn't rush down the bank and bank it. But you've got to put yourself in their shoes as well. Now, where I could not resolve the matter by talking to the debtors and exhausted every friendly or persistent method, or it was clear that the client simply wasn't going to pay, you know, like they said to me, well, 
I'm not going to pay you. Then it became pretty obvious they weren't going to pay us. I had a lot of success in using the money claim online system. Now, this was a real revolution for me because I could get the claim done and process it within about 30 minutes instead of faffing around for hours and days and instructing lawyers and solicitors and that sort of thing. So quickly now, here are the steps you need to take. Before you start, read all the guidelines carefully and go through everything and use the guide for claimants uh, on, on, the, on the Money Claims website. Now, the guidance is there to help you ensure that the claim is that is suitable for money claims online and to help you understand your role and responsibilities during the claim process and to help you understand how the court system works. The money claim online is designed to be relatively simple and it's supposed to be an easy way to commence a county court claim for a fixed sum of money. Now errors can be costly to you. Uh, it can cost you time and money and may affect the outcome of your claim. Your claim could actually literally be thrown out. If you make an issue or an error on a claim and you, you, you've made a complete mess of it, you will not be eligible for a, a refund of your fees and your claim could end up being thrown out by a judge. Now, the court service will give you lots of information. They're very helpful, but they're not going to give you legal advice like, you know, is should I do this or should I do that? Uh, can I legally do this or that? They can't do that for you. That's that's what you need to get from a solicitor, barrister or by citizen's advice or just doing your own research. Now, if your dispute is for a large amount or there are a lot of complications, I would recommend that you talk to a, a solicitor in the first instance to get a bit of advice. Now, another thing is if you're owed money by a limited company, which has little or no assets, it's just a, a shell company, it might not be worth proceeding with this legal action. Because what are you going to get from a limited company with no assets or, you know, they've got a string of problems running up against them. Sole traders, on the other hand, do not have what we call limited liability, which means that, you know, you can go after their personal assets in order to recover the debts, even if this relates to their business activity. I mean, an example, a builder acting as a sole trader and, you know, you're, you're suing that builder. If, if all if, if they never pay you, you can they've got assets which you, which you can chase if they're a sole trader. Now, you might want to think about this if you're acting, operating at the moment as a sole trader or a partnership. Uh, you might want to consider becoming incorporated in order to avoid these sort of huge personal liabilities. Like, you know, you could even lose your house or be made bankrupt if the firm gets into trouble or you, it might not be money you owe. It could be a negligence claim, for instance, if you make a big mess and you're not insured for personal liability or public liability rather. So think about that in, in the way your business is structured. Commonly, most people just set up a business and, and they're, they're operating as a sole trader or, or a partnership. But this can be very dangerous if you, excuse me, if you if you do get sued. Now, back to the, 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 the process. There are a number of steps you need to take called pre-action pre conduct uh, before you, you start your claim. Now, the court expects you and the defendant to take a number of steps to try and settle the dispute without going through a full hearing in front of a judge. Now, these steps are known as pre-action protocols, and they will involve you and the defendant trying to settle the issue without going to, to court. For example, you may need to send, you will need to send a letter to the defendant, that this is the person you're suing before making your claim, uh, providing information and you know explaining that, that you, you're owed this money and giving them a chance to respond before you actually go through the, the legal process. Sometimes it's called a seven-day warning letter. And you know, later on, you'll be asked to show proof of this. And 
You'll also be asked if you want to, to use the, the court's telephone-based mediation service. Now, I've used this in the past. It hasn't worked for me, but you've got to show willing to the court that you've gone through every step. You've tried every step before going to court as, as a last resort. And this will go down well with a judge. If you're in front of the judge, well, look, we've done this, we've done that, we tried this, we tried the mediation, but it still didn't work. So this is my last resort, judge. I, I really need you to, to give me this judgment. So in other words, if you go in all gung-ho and say, I'll see you in court and you, you, know, you pull the trigger on the money claims online procedure, you may find that your claim is later dismissed by a judge for not following the pre-action protocols. Now, the judges are a little bit sympathetic. They, they don't expect you to be a le legal expert, but your case could fall down later on if you don't follow these procedures. Now, this also can happen if your, uh, your, your, your case, you've actually obtained judgment by default in, in absence of a, a defendant or a defence. The defendant can later on have the judgment set aside. And this means it's more or less taking that judgment and, and, and setting aside as if it never took place. And then you would go back to court to, to have a, a, another trial. Now, this is something you might want to consider doing if you've had a county court judgment registered against you, maybe unfairly or in your absence, where you've moved address and you've had this CCJ registered. You can go back and have that set aside within a certain length of time. Now, remember also that county court judgments are notoriously fickle and unpredictable. Barristers even talk about getting on the right side of the judge, not upsetting the judge or, you know, getting the judge on your on our side and that sort of thing. Now, you would assume that simple legal cases would be dealt with in the same way, no matter which court or which judge is sitting. But you'd be wrong. I've had experience with this. I've sued hundreds of people uh, for the very similar kind of debt. And every time we'd go to court, or I'd go to court sometimes on my own, the judge reacted in a different way, uh, often I, I found totally irrational way. Uh, some would pretty much give me the judgment straight away, say, yeah, this is a straightforward case, bang, 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 judgment issued, while others were overly sympathetic to the debtor and would treat me like I was a big company or the big bad wolf beating up on the little guy. Some would even defend the defendant as if they were the barrister, which they're not supposed to do. They'd be cross-examining me and this sort of stuff. It, it, was a, it was a joke sometimes. but So you've got to remember that. So with legal action, what I'm saying is there's no surefire thing, sure thing with legal action. You never know what's going to happen when you're going to court. And, you know, you could have a, uh, a good case and a barrister on your side, but you still don't know what's going to happen. For instance, if you're claiming breach of contract, the defendant could come up with a different story and say, well, no, you breached the contract. You failed to deliver on time or uh, and you failed to keep up to your side of the contract. Even if much of the evidence is verbal, the judge is going to take this into account when deciding which one of you is more believable, because often it comes down to that. Which one of you more is more credible, credible and believable? And believe it or not, you know, little things can throw a complete spanner in the works. So what I'm saying is that sometimes it's better to come to an arrangement with, with your creditors, with your debtors, in order to avoid going to court. Now, large institutions like banks will accept sometimes small monthly payments to, to clear the debt or even write off part of the debt in order to close the case and avoid costly legal action. I know this because I work for a bank and sometimes I thought, why are they you know, writing that off or why are they doing this? But, you know, they don't take things so personally as as a small business, you know, if you're if you supplied something, you, you take it personally. You think that person promised me he was going to pay me and I, I trusted that person and they didn't pay me. So they don't take things so personally. It's dealt with by another department and, you know, they're pretty cold about it. You know, you might want your day in court. I'll see you in court and all that sort of stuff. But 
and even to punish the debtor regardless of your chances of success but banks take the emotion out of the situation which means they make more of a logical judgment you know they think about their time for instance because you know the amount of time you've got to think about the amount of time you'll spend preparing your claim because the money claim part of it is just the part of it you'll have to come up with evidence later on and you know you, you you've got the stress of the trial it's very it's, it's very stressful you've got the time you spend attending the, the court hearing which can be the best part of a day you might get in there and be seen in the morning you might be seen after lunch the case could even be adjourned for another day some judges say well i haven't got enough evidence here i haven't got enough i want i want to adjourn this so come back to me with this that and the other sometimes the defendant can come in and say well i wasn't got enough time to prepare this and the judge may look upon them sympathetically you might have to attend a court hundreds of miles from your 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 place of business because the the judge will uh, the court system tends to set the trials at the place nearest to where the defendant lives so you might have to traipse all over all over the country and spend a whole day out of your business so think about that when you're you're going after small claims now let, let's just reassure you here the claims system might seem complicated but initially it involves following a few simple instructions which are all available online court clerks are, are, are helpful if you have to call them as I said they won't give you legal advice but you know and it can be a bit difficult because they are very busy but they are they are quite helpful now the good news is if you follow the, the instructions the pre-action protocols and etc the majority of your debts could be solved without even going to court or even starting the legal action because the very fact that you're seen as serious you know can can make people pay up in the uk companies even large corporations have a habit of i would say deliberately holding on to their money for as long as possible and only paying the personal company that shouts the loudest once they realize you're serious and you've issued your seven day warning letter and that sort of thing and and you've put things to them in legal terms you'll quite often be successful in in receiving the payment sometimes it might take pressing the button on the, the money claim system for them to realize you're going to court for them to pay you but you don't always have to go all the way into into court so once you've done all this you follow the the simple steps you've registered your claim and you've started the what i would call the wheels of justice rolling online then you have to kind of sit back because you know because things will take a few days to go through now word of work just one final word of warning on this make sure you fill in the form correctly everything's 100 percent accurate mistakes can often you know mean that your your case will work against you further down the line names addresses amounts owed uh, everything's got to be watertight if the matter goes to court and a fussy county court judgment says like you haven't done this properly they could throw out the case throw out the case altogether now the debtor then will receive a letter from the central court system uh, it's not each court has their own this this is a central system and they'll inform them of the claim assuming that you've given them the correct address of course and they're still at that address now at this point the debtor could say right i'll do a number of things they could acknowledge the claim which is on the, on their form indicating that they dispute the claim and intend to defend the claim they could uh, state that they've paid the amount owed to you in the meantime they could admit the claim and pay up or they could just ignore the letter bury their hand head in the sand which is happens more frequently than you'd think now there are other options they could uh, include that they got they could say they're going for a full defense they could counterclaim against you for, for a breach of contract or they could have a part admission where I owe this much, not that much, or a full admission say, yes, I owe this. Now, your claim should be dealt with within a couple of working days. And the effective date of service on the, the, the debtor is, is effectively the fifth calendar, calendar date after that date of issue. 
This is an important date because it means that the date when you would expect or the court would, would deem that that person has been served with that uh, with that that claim notice. Now the debtor then or the defendant as they're now known has 14 calendar days from the date of service. Remember the date of service, the fifth day of the calendar day after the issue to, to file a response. Now you can view all this on online when you log into your 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 claim account and you could have several of these going on the go and you can view them all to see if the defendants have admitted or disputed the claim. And if they've ignored the action, you can then press the button to issue the judgment without going to court. Now, they haven't responded, they've done nothing, so you can issue the judgment. I must say, I, I, I always enjoy this part. Yes, I can issue this judgment. Now, if the defendant decides, uh, the better, decides to defend the claim, the central money claim service will assign your case to a county court near the defendant's home or business. As I've said, I've, I've gone all over the country, uh, not Scotland, but I've been into Wales and the South Coast and North uh, because they, they issue the cases to, the, to their nearest address. You can request the hearing be held nearer to you, but, but I found this is rarely granted. So what happens if it goes to the court hearing? Now, if your case is assigned to a county court wherever, you'll need to attend that hearing and demonstrate before the county court judgment that your claim is valid. Now, the onus is on you, the claimant, to prove the case. The person is innocent to prove guilty. So you're, you're having to prove your case. So there'll be a lot of further paperwork, evidence to provide and send that evidence in to the court in good time before the hearing. You don't want to go rushing in saying, can I submit this? The judge was no, this, this should have been in, you know, before the hearing. You'll be given all these dates and, and deadlines, but you don't want to be rushing. And I've had defendants come and say, I want to read out this. No, the judge said, no, you should have sent that in beforehand. OK, now trials can be daunting, but bear in mind, it's going to be held in a room, not a massive courtroom that they'll have a big desk there and like a T-shaped setup. The judge will sit at the desk here and there'll be a, a T-shaped desk there with you on one side and the defendant on the other. You're not going into the high court like in the movies or, you know, with the big oak benches and men in wigs and black gowns. That's that's not this type of court. This is not a crown court. This is a, a, a county court. Now, you'd expect that if the debtor or defendant has decided to dispute or defend the claim, that they would turn up for the for the hearing. Now, many do, but this is not always the case. Many times I've found they've failed to show up. And, and then normally you would obtain judgment against the defendant by default, provided the judge is happy with, with the claim. Now, the small claim service is generally for people who represent themselves, but it's not usually the place for high-flying barristers and QCs. Having said that, I've often had to use a barrister or a lawyer um, and some defendants would have also used a legal representative to defend them or counter claim. Defendants can also use what's called a McKenzie friend to help them during the case, but they're not supposed to act as a legal representative and, you know, say objection, your honour and all this sort of stuff. However, again, some of these judges allow them to speak on, on the behalf of the defendant because they take a sympathetic view to that defendant. And, you know, but, but that's another matter. They're not really supposed to do that. Solicitors, of course, will advise you to take legal advice and only use a solicitor because, after all, you know, they've got a monopoly in this area. However, you need to, again, weigh up the benefits of using a solicitor or barrister based on the amount of money you're claiming. You know, if you're, if you're going to court for a claim of a couple of hundred pounds, for instance, two or three hundred pounds, it's hardly worth using a barrister who's at least going to charge that amount, two to three, five hundred pounds, just attend the hearing. Um, you know, especially when you're not going to be able to claim all those costs back. You know, the small claims service will not grant you unlimited costs. So just be wary of that. It's not like a, 
a big trial that's going into the high court. So if you're going to court against a company or person that you know will bring their own legal team, then, you know, maybe you then need to have a barrister or solicitor that knows their way around the court system and rules. It's not just about the law. It's about the court rule book, which is about you know, three inches thick. And, you know, they, a, a barrister could easily throw a spanner in the works and direct the judge to throw out your case based on a technicality or previous case law. So in this case, you might need to have your own uh, lawyer to, to counteract this. Now, hearing these arguments on both sides is like listening to a, another language, this legal language. It can be quite entertaining at points to say, Your Honour, I, you know, I, I dispute that. And then there was this case law and that case law. It can be quite good fun. Now, in law, as I said, things are not as black and white as you think. Both sides can put forward credible legal arguments which appear to have equal validity. Judges then make judgments. Judgments can be overturned on appeal. Appeals can be overturned by the Supreme Court. Now, each person making these judgments is a judge with years of legal experience. So things can turn on, on quite small things. Now, I would say if you have a very complicated case, take advice, as I said earlier. OK, so let's say you've gone for, you've gone for all this process. You've obtained your judgment, known as a, a county court judgment and or a CCJ. Now, you might expect that immediately on... On, as they've received this county court judgment, they know it's there, that they would run around and pay your bill. But this is not always the case. You might have to then enforce the judgment, okay? You, you, you then have to go through another process, which means you, you need to read more court guidance, more paperwork, more fees to enforce that judgment because the judgment is there, but the court's not going to go around and collect that money for you unless you go through the enforcement, enforcement process. So I'll go through a little bit more about that quickly now. But, you, you know, this is quite a long winded uh, process. But let's say you've, been, you've got the judgment against the defendant. Now, this judgment appears on the public register for up to six years. And from then on, you could request a warrant of control, use the county court bailiffs to, to go around and, and enforce your judgment or collect goods. I found them to be pretty ineffective. You can use the court services uh, high court enforcement officer for debts above £600. This I found to be better than the, the county court judgment. And so there are other things you can do. Uh, you, you should be able to go for an attachment of earnings and that sort of thing. But look at the court guidance and see what, what is available to you. Now, once the judge has agreed to give the judgment in your favour, and this this uh, even if this is online, a CCJ is issued against the debtor, and they usually have around 30 days to clear the debt to avoid the CCJ being registered against them for six years okay six years this means you know if you fail if, if this is against you friends and you fail to to pay this the judgment will remain on your register for six years and, and it will blight your, your credit history so think about this um, people often think they're clever by saying well I didn't pay them I only pay them five pounds a month and they'll have to wait for their money but what that means is that this is going to show against your credit history for all those years. And it means you might not be able to get a mortgage, you might not be able to get other credit, and it can be very damaging for you. So whereas if they just paid that off and said, right, I, it's a fair cop, the judgment's gone against me, I owe this money, here it is. Even if you have to borrow that money to clear it, that would be the best uh, course of action rather than stringing it out and, or not paying it and then having to pay it later. Because even if you clear that debt, say six months down the line, that judgment is still going to show on, on the register, even if you can show it as satisfied, because it means you've gone through all of that process. 
you haven't paid the debt, but later on you've paid it, but you've still, the, the lenders and that's all will look upon you a person that didn't pay your debt. And in my days of fun, in financial services, I dealt with clients who, you know, they couldn't get, get a mortgage because they had a, a CCJ for 50 pounds or 40 pounds. Often utility companies would, do, would register judgments against you for even for, for 50 pounds. So they should have paid the bill, uh, first of all. And if there was a dispute, they could have paid that bill and later disputed it, but not let it go to court and, you know, uh, and, 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 and blight their credit history. The debtor will also have to pay court costs and interest on top of the debt. So I've met people who have allowed themselves to even go to, go, to be made bankrupt for, for a couple of thousand pounds rather than pay up, you know, because they say, oh, I didn't pay them. And I said, make me bankrupt. Well, what good is that? That's that stay with you for life, you know. So make no mistake, some banks and HMRC will bankrupt you. So don't be this rebel and cutting off your nose to spite your face. So that's I hope that's given you an, an, an overview there. In the next episode, I'm going to go through tips on how you can improve your cash flow to avoid the problem of having you know, been owed all this money and collecting debts owed to you. Now, I would say that much of these problems of where, where you've done work and been owed money starts with with you and how you subconsciously value your service, your mindset and your attitude to money. Now, I go through this in more detail in my new book, Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness. And I, I cover this 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 aspect of money mindset and and and, and charging and how you charge and how you get paid. Now, I'll be giving my Money Tips subscribers a special deal on the book, which is out on the 4th of May very soon. And I'll be giving you some valuable bonuses for the first few people who order the copy of my book, Yes, Money Can Buy Happiness on Amazon. OK, so watch out for that. Now, as I said, this 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 information is intended as an overview or a guide on the rules and regulations, uh, which can often change. So if you're looking at this in a year's time, the rules might have changed. So always check, always take legal advice and do your own research into the court system. So thanks for listening. I know it's been quite long, but this is quite an important episode. So thanks for listening and I'll see you again. This has been Charles Kelly bringing you money tips to help you save, earn, invest, accumulate and ultimately enjoy more money. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to Money Tips. For more tips and information, visit moneytipsdaily.com. The information given in this podcast is for your entertainment and should not be construed as financial advice. As always, take independent financial advice before making any investment decisions. 